Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, good morning. That was so bad. Good morning. Thank you. I feel a little bit better. Welcome to week two. Wow, what a way to start it. But so glad you're here this morning. You know, last week we looked at Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we were reminded this, that God is honored when we give generously to those who are most vulnerable in, in this world. And uh, we want to continue to think a little bit about that. I was going to move to a different passage, but I just kind of felt like, let's stay back in Matthew 25. There is so much rich stuff there for us to kind of look at and learn even today. And we're going to see today how we can move from this compassionate attitude and heart to say, I do really want to help those who are in greatest of need. I've been blessed. I want to be a blessing, right? How do we move from that emotional response to a tangible, accountable way in order to fulfill that, that heartfelt feeling that we have. And we're going to see that's going to be found today in the second parable of Matthew chapter 25. Because God's going to remind us in the second part that how we live matters. That we give an account for how we steward our lives and what we do. I, I love the way the Apostle Paul says it in the book of Philippians chapter 4. He says this. He says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone that the Lord is at hand. Paul says, listen, let your reasonableness be known to everybody. Why? Because the time of the Lord is at hand. Paul's saying, we've got to be reminded, we've got to live with this eternal perspective that says the Lord is going to return. And if we believe he's going to return, then how I live my life matters. The priorities of my time and my talent and my treasure has impact if I truly believe that the Lord is going to return. And we see that all throughout the New Testament. Over and over, they speak of the return of the Lord, the return of the Lord. And they're reminding us that, listen, this isn't just a hope of things to come. This really should be the grid in which we run our thoughts of our everyday life through. In light of the returning of the Lord, how do I need to live differently? If I truly believe the Lord's going to return, then here's the question for you today. Are you living the life you want to live? Are you comfortable with, with where you are in that? Philippians says, if you are, I mean, the way we need to think about it is you need to leave, live reasonable. You need to live with this idea of purpose, of discipline. Live a life that you have this idea of impact to come. Because if the Lord is not returning, right? If all there is to this life is this life, then by all means, don't leave, live reasonably, right? Live for what you want. Live for what feels good. Live for the moment. Live for what makes you happy. But Paul says, I believe that the Lord is going to return, and so I need to live differently. And he says this, I believe that the Lord is going to return soon. Now, I don't know when the Lord's going to return, but here's what I do know. My sooner is sooner than the Apostle Paul's sooner. And every generation after us, the sooner is sooner than what the sooner is now, right? So we have this idea that it's coming. And so Matthew 25 is probably as relevant to our generation, if not more relevant than even it was back when it was taught in the original. And I believe in sequential generations, it will be even more relevant that we think about this of the return of the Lord. And so the encouragement today is Paul says, he who has ears, what we're going to say, let him hear today. So if you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. If you've got your phones... You can fire them up if you're new here and go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. Uh, all the things that we're going to be talking about, ways to stay connected with our church is right there at lexcity.info. 
Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses, it's broke up into three parables. The first 13 verses are the parable of the bridegroom returning for the ten virgins, and the principle is simply this, the imminent return of the Lord. This idea that we need to be ready and waiting, and the application of that first parable is found in verse 13. It says this, Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Right? So be ready. That was the whole point of the first part of the parable. The, the bridesmaids were not ready for the groom to return. Let us be ready. The Lord is returning, and when he returns, here's the second part. The second parable is going to remind us this, that the Lord will hold us accountable for how we have stewarded our lives. Now that statement, now think about it, that the Lord will hold you, will hold me accountable for how we steward our lives, that probably produces in all of us some level of emotion. Right? Something stirs when you say that kind. Whenever you talk about the concept of God and money, something stirs within your heart. Your initial reaction may be, that feels a little harsh, that feels a little judgmental, not feel great. Or the other spectrum is, man, that, that's encouraging. Man, that's life-giving. I want to, that day of the Lord returning accountability for a life well-lived, it, it inspires something within your heart. Can I just encourage you today, as we talk about these things, Pay special attention to whatever's stirring in your heart, even in these moments. Because whatever the spectrum in there, that may be the application what the Spirit wants to say to you today, right? What is that stirring? What is that producing? Just don't dismiss that um, as we go. So let's jump into it. Let's talk about the second parable in Matthew chapter 25 that's going to remind us of this idea. That when the bridegroom does return, first 13 verses, when he does return, like an owner to the stewards, we will give an account. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. For it will be like a man going on a journey who has called his servants and entrusted them with his property. All right, context, right? Whose property is it? It's the owner's, right? Who's the source of your wealth? We know the owner represents God, the, the servants represent us, right? So who's the source of our wealth? Who's the source of your health? Who's the source of your intelligence or your strength? Who causes the rain to fall and the crops to grow? Right? So if the owner or if God in the context of the parable is the source of all things, then we should pay special attention to what the owner requires, right? If it's all his and he determines what happens with it, then we should listen to his words. So let's go on. Verse 15. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five more talents. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more, but the one who received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with him. Right? There will be a day of accounting with our lives and what we've done with it. In, in the words of the great theologian uh, Marcus Aurelius, right? What you do in life ripples in eternity. I mean, that's Matthew 25 all summed up. So here's the story continues. Verse 20. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master... You delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. If you ever wonder where that came from. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. 
enter into the joy of your master. And he also, who had two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, and I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, he also who had received one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, or gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went, and I hid my talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours, but his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have scattered no seeds. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. Big point of the the parable, right? Followers of Jesus should not be characterized and should not be known for passivity and hoarding. All right? We should be people who are growing and developing the talents that we've been entrusted. This idea of leveraging the talents we have for eternal multiplication. That's kind of the the theme of, of Matthew chapter 25. And if you'll do that, right, and if you'll handle God's things God's way, then he will bless you. I share that with you this morning. Sometimes we're hesitant to share that because we don't want to have, oh, you sound like you're giving a prosperity gospel. No, no, this is just a principle of Matthew 25. If you do things God's way, then God blesses what we have done his way, right? And I share that with you this morning because I've experienced that in my life and many of you have experienced that in in your life when we finally just surrender to say, God, I'm going to do it your way and trust you with the results. The principle is so true. When we give first fruits, we tend to have more fruit because we're doing it the way the Lord wants us to do. Verse 29, for to everyone who has will more be given and he shall have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and the cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness, into that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, right? So the results of these two, these three servants couldn't be more contrasting, right? But the first two servants did things God's way. God blesses, well done, my good and faithful servant, whom, you know, little is given, much will be given to them for that. The opposite is the servant who, who didn't trust, tried to control things and do it his own way, right? Lost everything at the end. The contrast couldn't be more different between the two. Now, as we hear this story, it's easy to say, well, sheesh, third servant, what a loser. I mean, why didn't you just do what the master said, right? It was his money. You should have just done it his way. How foolish of you to try to control everything in your own. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's an easy principle, but it's a hard principle to live out, is it not? I mean, if we're real honest, right, we know the context. This is us and how we leverage our things. It's so easy to say that, oh, I should do it this way, but it's hard to live that already out. And before we judge the third servant too harshly, may we just take a moment and look in the mirror. Let's take a 30,000-foot view for us as a country. Can I remind you that every year we elect politicians on either side of the the aisle for generations to come who have wonderfully put our country in $33 trillion of debt, not wisdom. Let's drop it down a little bit lower, right? Let's drop it to us as a people group. North America, different things. Here's the challenge. Uh, The average household in America 
has a household debt of $103,358 in debt. They haven't stewarded it real well. 61% of families live paycheck to paycheck. There's a lot of stress with that. There's a lot of pain and it's just, it's just hard, right? Now you would say, ah, oh, well, that's the country and that's U.S. in general, but not as us as followers of Christ, right? We live with an eternal perspective. We, we know the teachings of Matthew 28 and how we should be generous and we've got it figured out. Here's the reality. The average churchgoer in America this last year gave $17 a week to their local church. With these statistics, let me just ask, if we stood before our master today as a country, as a people, as the church, how would he respond? How have we been doing with the entrusting that we have been given? Let's flip it to the positive, right? What if we were the, the first two servants and we did with God's things God's way, what a difference it would make. Uh, followers of Christ, Christians in the United States of America, uh, every year we have an annual income between followers of Christ all around the country, $5.2 trillion family of God brings in. If every Christian just would uh, percentage give back to the Lord, so let's go with the concept of a tithe. If every Christian gave 10% of what they made back to the Lord, uh, the, there would be an excess of $139 billion every year available to the local churches of North America. Here's the point I just want to make. In God's economy and how God designed it, there's always enough to do the work of God. And obedient followers produce a generous bride of Christ. All right? That's the reality of what it looks like. But this only happens if every person does in their own heart what God lays on their own heart to do in this area of obedience and ask the question, God, what is required of me? Easy to say, hard to flesh out every day. And so let me just share with you a story from the Hare family. And the Hares, this is a little bit of their story, of their journey of stewardship and what it looks like in this young couple. Good morning, my name is Joseph Hare. And I'm his wife, Michaela, and I'm a family nurse practitioner um, serving in an outpatient clinic, working with women, taking care of them every day. And I am a orthopedic surgery resident at the University of Kentucky. We've been in Lexington for about three years now and um, been coming to Lex City for um, some part of that time. We tried out several different churches um, prior to finding Lex City, but we're so proud to, to call Lex City home. So living a generous life to us kind of takes uh, a bunch of different routes. I think both of us kind of grew up in families that went on the Dave Ramsey teaching. He always would say, live a different life now so that you can live like nobody else and give like nobody else later. And when we got married and sat down and started looking at finances and how we wanted to get involved, I think the biggest thing that came up is money. Um, and when we were sitting there talking, I think the ultimate realization we came to was that none of what we make is actually ours. It's what he's given us to steward on his behalf. Um, so I think the first thing that we did is as we were making our budget, we decided what we were going to give to the church. And that was the first thing that came out every month. I had, I guess, initially the mindset that, you know, I've got all of my bills. These are my expenses. These have to be paid. And then whatever I have left, that's, you know, what I'm going to give to the church. Or, um, and, and Joe challenged me to think about it in a different mindset. And that's just that, you know, we wouldn't have any of this without um, 
the Lord and He is the one that has provided all of this. And not that, you know, giving whatever I have left is a bad thing. I, that, you know, you're never going to feel like you can give enough. Um, but I think it was one of those moments where it's like, okay, this is going to be our first priority and the rest is going to be taken care of. We sang gratitude last week and um, I won't sing it, I'll spare you from that. But the line that says, um, I know it's not much, but I have nothing um, else fit for a king. I can't help but sing that and not get emotional because nothing is ever going to feel like enough. I think the cool thing that Lex City does so well is kind of diversifying to who we reach out to. Um, we were part of the back to school bash where we got to see children a lot who are refugees or didn't even speak a language that we speak. We've got to see the spectacular where kids from all around the community get to come. So we get to see our money being local with the people that we're going to the grocery store with, things like that. I think also seeing the use of it internationally and kind of living out our calling to go to all aspects of the world has been really cool. And I think kind of picking where to give our money to, that this was the first place that we wanted to truly dive in and then continue to serve and see it used for the better of his kingdom. Yes, a big piece of this is financially, but there's other ways that you can be generous in your church. And that's, you know, through your time and serving, whether that's, you know, at the coffee shop in Kid City, um, you know, serving on, on Saturdays. You can also give um, just in the sense of community and joining a life group. We have gotten so much out of our life group. And I think that's one of our most favorite parts about Lex City is just coming together and meeting other young couples um, and getting to do life and share stories um, with other people that are our age. Um, I think oftentimes you feel like, oh, I'm not to that point in my life yet. I'm not ready to do that. But I think at the end of the day, giving something is better than nothing. And then as your life changes and progresses, you can continue to prioritize that in a different way. Um, and, and it's really cool and really fun to see um, what, as a church, generosity, what that can do and see the, the good works that come from that. I think it's also cool to jump out of your comfort zone a little bit. Uh, I think it's easy to say we can definitely give this each month, but sometimes it's fun to push the boundaries and be a little bit uncomfortable because uh, then you we truly get to live in that sense of live by faith and know that you know God has placed this desire on our heart to give. Um, and since we've been giving, there's never been a time where bills haven't been paid or anything like that. He continues to provide in the sense of it. And I, I think too, you know, it's it's not my money, it's not his money, and truthfully, it's not our money. It's it's his money, and I'm trying to say that you're not when you die, you're not going to take it with you. <laughs> um, and so to be able to uh, use that money for his good works while you're here. Um, I appreciate the Harris being willing to share their story. Sometimes it's the hardest thing to talk about and share it. And uh, I appreciate them sharing a little bit about their journey. Here's the great part. Nobody's figured this out. None of us are doing it perfect. We're all in a process as we go through, learning to be more obedient, more generous with that. And so you just begin with where you're at and you take those steps. Now, one of the themes that you've heard through a lot of our stories, our generosity stories, has been this, the impact that Financial Peace University or the Dave Ramsey teachings have made in their lives as a couple. So I wanna encourage you and challenge you, if you're just tired of, of, of being in debt, 
If you're tired of having your money drive you every week and you're just looking for some peace or you're trying to figure out how can I create leverage and legacy so that my children experience something different than we experienced uh, growing up in your ways, I want to invite you to be a part of our next class of Financial Peace University. Go to lexcity.info, all of the, the information there, but make the investment. This next class starts January 18th. And if you're just tired of just doing the same thing and you're like, I'm really, we're ready to be serious about this and really create that kind of freedom in our lives, that's a great next step. So January 18th as we go. Well, Matthew chapter 25, as we close out this morning, a chapter has three parables. First part reminds us of the imminent return of the Lord, right? Live, not only with that hope, but live with that perspective on what you do every day. How you live Monday should matter because you should know that the Lord can return. Second parable in Matthew 25 says, and when he returns, we will give an account, a rewarding for faithfulness, a feeling of we missed it if we didn't, the sense of an accountability of our lives. And the third part is, again, we studied last week, and in that giving, let us give to those who are in most need. Uh, because that is the heart of God for the people that he loves so much. And so as we think about that, the question is, how can I continue to live my life more like the first two servants rather than the third servant every day? How can I, at the end of my days, when I stand before the Lord, what do I need to do to be able to hear that wonderful phrase, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the little. I wouldn't trust you with a lot. What in your life needs to happen? What are the emotions that today, that this conversation stirred in your heart? How do you need to process that? Can I just remind you, I think I might have said it earlier, but listen, shame is never from God. Conviction is of the Holy Spirit, but if shame is there, that, that's not of God. Pride is an overvaluing of self, but contentment is a peace in who the Lord is in your life. And so just what are those emotions even today that come up? At the end of the day, right, we are called to be a generous people because we serve a generous God. Matthew 25 says this ought to be a hallmark of followers of me. We're just generous. Why? Because we've been blessed with so much. We serve a God who is so generous that he gave the most valuable thing he could ever give, and that was his son, Jesus, to come, to be crucified, to pay the penalty that we might have a relationship with him. So today, as we close out our time, we thought it'd be appropriate. We're going to close out our time in a time of communion. We're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And as we do that, it's a time of reflection two ways. It's a time of looking back and remembrance, right, of what Jesus did for us on our behalf. But it's also a sense of looking forward with anticipation unto the day that the Lord returns. God says, listen, you're going to take communion, but you're not going to do this forever. You just need to do this until I return, because when I return in heaven, we won't take communion. You're going to be in the presence of Jesus himself. We won't need to remember. We'll be experiencing it every day. So he says, reflect back, but do so with anticipation of what's to come. And so as we prepare to do that, in just a moment, uh, we're going to pray. And then, again, we've got tables that are set up all throughout the worship center, and our elders will be at different ones. We have plenty of time. I want to just encourage you to take some moments this morning and reflect. And encourage you maybe to think in the context of reflection through Matthew 25. 
God, because I know you're returning, because I know in that time will be an accountability of my life, God, I just want to remind and be reminded again how thankful I am for what you have done for me. A time of remembrance of his, as we take the bread, to remember about his body that was broken on our behalf. It was beaten and spit upon in the humility of Jesus in those moments. As we take the cup, to be reminded again of his blood that was shed, that we might have forgiveness of sin. That today, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sinfulness, he sees the blood of Jesus that covers us. And what a gift that is. And then to be looking forward, saying, God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you are coming and help me to align my life with these two things to be true. That we can live a life that's honoring. So 1 Corinthians chapter 11 gives us the commands. It says, for I received from the Lord why I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, here's the last part, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes in that glorious day. Let's pray together. Father, today, we're grateful and thank you for the reminder of just the truth of your word of, of Matthew 25. It's wonderful parables that just remind us of your heart for people, that this generosity is not for self, but it is for others, and so thank you for the example of that, not only through your teachings, but through your very life. So today, Lord, as a family, as we remember your body that was broken and your blood that was shed, God, we do so out of a heart of gratitude. heart of thankfulness for what you have done, not because we deserved it, but because you're a good God. So Lord, today we remember, but we look forward to that glorious day when you shall return. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.